0: Family, welcome to God's word, transforming lives. Are you ready to dive deeper into your walk with Christ? Do you desire to learn his word with a greater understanding that applies to your daily living? Do you feel like you're in a vicious cycle of victory and defeat? My name is Amy, and friend, I was so frustrated with my faith walk for decades. No matter what I did, I could not escape the symptoms that trauma from my childhood left me with. Not only that, I didn't seem to experience any victory that I read about in the Word of God. And even worse, I couldn't see it or experience it in my church life either. It all left me feeling even more confused and more empty. I knew Christ was the way and the truth and the life, and I knew His Word was the answer. So finally, one day, I got fed up with living in defeat. I became determined to find the Jesus of Scripture. I discovered true faith in Christ and had to unlearn much of what I had been taught. With God's Word and His Spirit, I have been free from anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, and suicidal thoughts for almost 15 years, and I have learned a tool set to overcome my past trauma and losses. God's word has transformed my life. If you are ready for truth and transformation, then hop into the slow cooker with me and let's marinate together in God's word. Did you know I have a free sisterhood community of women just like you? Women who love Jesus when they love one another. They too are looking for that deeper walk with Christ and they love learning his word. If you pause right now and click the link below in the show notes, it'll take you right to the Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you. Hello. Once again, here we are. So we're going to talk about narcissism. Today, we're actually going to talk about being raised by a narcissistic parent. Five, I'm going to give you five signs that you may have been raised by a narcissistic parent based on how they, how they were when you were growing up. Um, narcissism is a complex, uh, mental disorder, which can, it, it really has so many different facets to it, which we will definitely go over in future podcasts, the different types of narcissism, um, There's actually kind of some different symptoms being raised by a narcissistic mother versus a narcissistic father and those kind of things. So, but today I want to look at five symptoms or five signs that your parent may have been a narcissist, that you grew up with a narcissist. One, they're overly critical. They criticize everything. You never look good enough. You never um do enough. You you even can um do really good, like say that day you had a, a softball game or a basketball game, and you had like the game of your life, and they will still find all the flaws, everything you did wrong in that game. Nothing is ever good enough, nothing ever is, you know, to their satisfaction. And they do it because they say, Oh, I love you. I'm just trying to help you. I want you to look your best. I want you to be your best. And um, especially um, for uh, girls that are raised in a narcissistic home, you know, the, your looks are always under a magnifying glass. Um, You're never thin enough. You're never tall enough. You're never, your hair's never right. Your makeup's never right. And the only time that you really get compliment from a narcissistic parent is typically when they're in front of other people. And it's not even genuine compliment. It's because they want to make themselves look better. So they'll prop you up in front of other people in order to make themselves look like a great parent or look at me, look how well they're doing. You know, the only time they'll talk about your straight A's is in front of other people or they're, or the good, or how, um, pretty you are or whatever in, or how successful you are is when they're trying to brag about themselves is what they're doing. And they're using you behind closed doors. It's it's constant criticism. Um, and sometimes you can get the opposite as well in front of people. They'll sometimes purposely try to humiliate you. Um, it depends what kind of narcissist that they are, but A lot of times the narcissist is, it's all about that. It's always all about the narcissist. So they always want to look their best in front of people. They, um, so they'll try to look like they're the best parent. They'll try to act like they are so loving and doting and, and they put on a huge production in front of other people behind closed doors you know, they are nothing like that. Um, And that's a whole nother complexity that I want to talk about on a a future podcast on um, living in that lie growing up. All right, so number two. So number one is they're they're overly critical. Number two, they tend to create a toxic environment. Um, There's always drama. There's always something going on. You never know from day to day who they're going to be mad at, who scorned them. who did what to them um, or they create chaos and drama with the other spouse or another one of the siblings. There's always something going on. There's, you know, you never know a lot of times it depends on, you know, on, you know, the financial status of your home and things like that. But a lot of times they're, you know, they can create, you know, financial drama, you know, to where um, they don't, budget well the money and things like that and so you you know maybe never know when your lights are going to be turned off or those kind of things as well now just because you had hardships and that happened does not mean you were raised by a narcissistic parent these are traits that can be of a narcissistic parent always creating some sort of toxic environment always creating a reason to argue to fight to um rally rally the family together in unity against another person that's an outsider because they scorned the parent they did something wrong um they're just never happy with anybody they're you know someone is always victimizing them in some way and so this tends to just create this constant state of fight or flight for for the child because they never know from day to day what they're coming home to are they going to come home to a calm and doting parent that like made their favorite favorite dinner for some reason or are they going to come home to a parent that's just been stewing all day in anger and is ready and ready for fighting ready for chaos ready to you know point out Everything you've done wrong, and how they're a victim of everyone in their life, and um, how they could have had this much better life if it wasn't for having kids and getting married, or if it wasn't for what their their parents did to them, or what their boss did to them, or whatever. So you just never know um, from day to day what kind of you know home you're coming you're coming home to, and it keeps the children in a constant state of just anxiety and 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 chaos and a fight or flight type mm-hmm. mode. Uh, Number three, they play favorites. If there's more than one sibling, there's always playing a favorite. So there's always like a scapegoat child and there's always a golden child. And then, and if there's more than several, then sometimes there'll be like a dismissed child who's just kind of off in the corner and just dismissed because they're always focused on the golden child and the scapegoat child. The golden child is the one that is always like used for their, um, look at me, I have this, this child and they always prop this child up in order to, um, make the other children feel bad. And the other children will be like a scapegoat. Like it's all their fault. They're always, if it wasn't for them always getting in trouble, if it wasn't for, you know, their smart mouth, if it wasn't for, you know, them, you know, then our family wouldn't be like this. We wouldn't have chaos, you know, and there's just this always, um, the scapegoat child is always the 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 problem child the one they blame everything on and then there's the golden child and the golden child really becomes the golden child because they have learned how to please the narc parent we have learned by they have learned how to walk on eggshells to silence their voice to lose their voice they've learned how to um just do everything that the narc parent wants them to do in order to survive. The golden child is in survival mode. This The scapegoat child a lot of times gets in trouble and ends up having a, a stronger voice, gets tired of being abused. And so they tend to be more outspoken and more uh, telling the truth, but they too just want the attention and the love. And so they're just getting it in all the wrong ways. Um, and maybe at one time they were the golden child, but they realize that being the golden child, you're just being used and abused and you get tired of that cycle, especially as they start to get older, maybe in teenage years, you're young adults, and now they start to speak out against it and then they become the scapegoat. And so because it's all about control for the narc parent, it's all about um, you know uh, how the narc parent looks. They can never take responsibility for what they've done, for how they've raised their children, for the chaos that they put them in um it's always everybody else's fault the children end up being um what ends up happening is it's called triangulation the narc parent the narc parent um triangulates the children so always getting the children to turn on one another um to keep them from getting close and and, and staying close because the uh, narc parent does not want the children to be to be close or to become allies. That way, she, they all they always have somebody on their side within the 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 child dynamics. And so um, there just always tends to be infighting and jealousies and and um, secrets being told. You know, and um, purposely just keeping the kids in a constant state of um, you know mistrusting each other, arguing. Um, and not getting in and not getting close. Number four is conditional love. Uh the children receive a superficial love by the narc because um the narc really is not capable of genuine type love. It's a conditional love. If the child acts in a certain way, then the narc parent will reward them by being nice to them, giving them a hug. Um, you know, other types of rewards, but if you do not do what they want, do not behave exactly how they want, do not give in to their manipulation tactics or the things that they are trying to get you to do or say, then they will withhold love from you. They will give you the silent treatment. They will purposely ignore you. They will take away um, certain things from you until you straighten up and do as they've asked for you to do. There's um, also I have seen in narcissistic parents where um, they will purposely create a fight. So like a, a child will come home and say, um, I really need this for school. Um, I have to, you know, I need, you know, $50 to go on this field trip. And the NARC parent will be like, no, you're not getting $50. I'm not giving it to you. You're not allowed to go on the field trip. Um, blah, blah, get the kid all upset and anxious and worried, and like, oh my gosh, how am I going to tell my teacher I'm not allowed to go on the field trip? And, and get them in this state of like worry and, and fear. And then they turn around and after they've, you know, caused all the chaos, the anxiety, and the fear in the child, they will then become the savior and they will hand them the $50 because they got the reaction that they needed out of them they got the they got the fix of hurting the child of causing fear causing them to cry um getting that that chaos built up and then they come around and they get to be the the savior and be like here's your fifty dollars you know you're allowed to have it you know whatever you know and I have seen this over and over again or first that the answer is no because they want to get the child all in a state of uproar, get them sick, get them anxious, get them, you know, angry, maybe arguing, maybe whatever. So, well, now you're grounded. You got smart with me or whatever. And then they turn around and they become the savior after freeing this whole drama for no reason. That is a huge, um, proponent of a narcissistic parent it's the conditional love the children learn very quickly how to play the game in order to get what they want as well they they get a pulse on um you know this this playing the chaotic merry-go-round game so that they can then start manipulating and getting what they want as well these very unhealthy environments can often create narcissistic children in in adulthood because they were raised by a narcissist they tend to learn how to manipulate. They learn how to, um, you know, this emotional abuse ends up something that they too can then uh, end up mimicking and becoming narcissistic adults them- themselves if they do not learn how to break the cycle and get help and also set boundaries. And we'll talk about that. The uh, So uh, number five is emotional manipulation. And we kind of already touched on that with the, you know, The child who needs something from the parent and then the parent is going to refuse that what they what they they need causing that chaos and then turning around and becoming the savior Um, because they're master manipulators emotional manipulation they are master manipulators um narcs are and they love to inflict conflict they love to they love the chaos they 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 love the pain but then they love being the savior at the same time so that they get all the admiration and look what my parent did um and you can't if you if the um mark wants something from you and you set a boundary and you say no i'm not going to do that so say the narcissist wants money from you I'll we'll just use that as an example. Talking more to the adult child now, the the person who has grown up in a in a narcissistic um, home, but is now an adult, that the um, parent comes to you and wants money from you because they say that their you know their water is going to be shut off or whatever, and you simply say, "I'm sorry, I don't have the money. I can't do that." Well, they immediately will go into this emotional manipulation of, "Oh my gosh, you know, how do you expect me to?" Take a bath. And what about your other siblings that live here? Or how can you we're not going to be able to eat? You know, our electric's gonna be shut off and the fridge is gonna and all the food's gonna go bad. And and all of a sudden, all of the problems that they created are now your fault because you will not give in to what they are demanding. And it becomes an emotional manipulation. And then if that doesn't work, they'll be like, you know, I would, I did all this for you. And if I wouldn't have paid for this and if I wouldn't have done that, then we would have had the money to do this. Or I would have, you know, I'd have never done that for you if I'd have known this is how you were going to turn out. But you owe me. You owe me. You owe me because I changed your diapers when you were. You owe me because I did this for you. And so all of a sudden, everything they did for you as a parent you know, everything they've ever done suddenly comes into play where you now owe them. You know, um, they'll buy you a gift for your birthday and then turn around and go, Man, I spent all that money on you for your birthday and you can't even help me over here. And it and it really is this emotional manipulation and it and it will, um, you know, oftentimes if you're unhealed. From this and you haven't learned to set those boundaries you'll give in to the emotional manipulation um they'll even go so far as to use you know tactics of you know I'll commit suicide I just don't know that I can live like this anymore and and I don't I'm just I don't even think I can live and I, you know and so they'll threaten health they'll threaten these things and they'll do it in such a way they manipulate it in such a way that it's all your fault it's all your fault because you're selfish and you're you're whatever, and you're not, um, you know, helping. And, and so, and that is, that is literally the emotional manipulation of a narcissistic parent overcoming narcissistic parents, um, can take many years. It, it's, it can be something that's in layers because narcissism is so complex. And in that disorder is mental illness. And so coming to terms with the fact that you were raised by a mentally ill, Um, parent is very hard to, um, uh, come to terms with because when they're good, they're really amazing. When they, when they are in, in a good cycle of the, they can be like amazing parents and do fun things. And, and you can have such great laughter and, and, um, and they can seem so amazing to the outside world, but the dark side of narcissism is, unbelievable. It's it's an abuse cycle. It's um truly um it's it's very difficult to to deal with and to overcome. And it leaves you with very conflicting feelings. Um and and adding that the fact that it's your parent. It's somebody that you know we're told in the Bible to honor our mother and father. We're you know so we if if you so as Christians we have like this extra guilt that comes upon us for the narcissistic parent, because we want to see the good in them. We want to believe that they're going to change. We want to believe that they're going to be the parent that we've always wanted them to be. And we want to honor them as our parent, because we're to honor our father and mother. And so, but honoring somebody does not mean we have to continue to give into their, their, their emotional manipulation, their criticism, their abuse. Um, we don't have to continue to enable their mental illness in order to honor them we are allowed to guard our hearts it talks about in proverbs 4:23 to guard your hearts and our hearts need guarded from abuse and any other relationship if it was a coworker or a friend or someone else we we would be able to sever that relationship pretty much guilt free But because as a parent, that it's this whole different um, obligation when you do decide and you are able to, if you have to walk away from the relationship, you know, often people are like, how can you do that? That's, you only get one mom, you only get one dad. How can you, you know, walk away? Well, because it's not healthy. It's not a healthy relationship. And for, for the sake of my mental health and my emotional health and if they're a parent you're an adult and you're married and have children, you're also protecting your children and your, and your family now because they don't just stop with you. Um, they're going to also cycle around your children and your spouse and um, other family members. And so it's okay to set boundaries. That's the number one thing I'm going to tell you. If you were raised by a narcissistic parent, and you're still being abused, you're still in that cycle, you're still dealing with these things, the first thing we have to do is we have to set boundaries. We have to learn how to say no and stick to that no, even though the emotional manipulation is gonna come, even though the criticism is gonna come, even though the arguments are gonna come because they do not want to hear the word no and they do not want to lose control of you. And so once they do lose control of you, you can try to keep the relationship at arm's length and try to set healthy boundaries around the narcissistic parent. It's going to be very difficult. It's um, not typically something unless they truly get help and, and really start to see that they are a narcissist and start to get the real help that they need. You're going to really struggle to have any type of healthy relationship with this, with the narcissistic parent. And I have learned through the years that they don't get better. They get worse. Um, the older they get, the more they're aging, um, the more the bitterness and the resentment and the anger and um, just the more the delusion becomes in within them and they get worse and, and not better. It's often said that a true narcissist will burn every bridge um, until the day they die and they end up dying alone um, because they have um you know their mental illness has just completely taken over um but one thing we must do as christians is when we set boundaries we we do it in love you can try to express yourself on why you're setting these boundaries why it's no longer healthy for you to participate in these certain things or to allow these certain things in your life um nine times out of ten it's not going to go well and there may have to be a time period where you do not have a relationship with the parent in hopes that they will learn that they cannot treat people that way. Um, But the second thing is we must forgive them. Forgiveness is so important. What forgiveness is not is it's not condoning their behavior. We're not saying that "Mm, I forgive you, therefore I'm condoning what you've done or I'm letting you get away with what you've done. We're saying you have a, you are, you have a mental illness and you have done some really hurtful things to me, but I release you from those things. I can, I'm setting a boundary to where you're no longer allowed to have access to me in that way anymore to continue to abuse me. But I forgive you just as the father has forgiven me In Colossians 3, 13, it tells us to forgive others just as the father has forgiven us. I have done a lot of things against the father. My sin is, you know, it's, it's out there. Right. Um, And Jesus forgave me. He died for me while I was still a sinner and I'm trying to change and grow and become um, more and more holy each day. And I have good days and bad days. We've talked about that. Um, But forgiveness is like, I know I'm sure you've heard this saying before. Unforgiveness, when we hold on to unforgiveness, it is like having a syringe full of poison and stabbing myself with it or stabbing yourself with it and expecting the other person to die. It's only poisoning us. Unforgiveness, bitterness, it turns to bitterness, it turns to resentment, and it's truly just poisoning our ourselves. And then we end up abusing ourselves more than the narcissist ever, ever did abuse us when we hold on to unforgiveness and so it's important that we forgive them that we love them we pray for them we want to see them saved and set free we want to see them um truly you know see that they've got an illness and that they need to get help for it um i know too many narcissists that profess christ and that brings a whole nother complexity in it because now they do it in the name of Jesus. They abuse in the name of Jesus. Narcissism is on the rise in our country everywhere, but it's especially on the rise in the Christian community. And so it's another level, but you still need to forgive them and pray for them and pray for their soul. Um, and pray that the Lord would have mercy upon them and ask God to help you forgive, to help you, um, Let go of the things that they have done to you, help you to also set those boundaries and guard your heart so that you don't, there's not a continual abuse going on. And finally, seek support. It's really important when you're raised in a narcissistic home, there are so many complexities, so many things that you went through as a child um, that it, it takes a while. It takes time to really heal from it. And sometimes it's things we don't even realize were um, happening that affected us the way that they did. The Bible gives us clear instruction to have godly, wise counsel around us. We need one another. And we don't want to use this as an opportunity to gossip because that would be dishonoring. You know, be careful. Don't be thrown out there, um, you know, all your parents business and things like that. but find a trusted friend or a counselor or a um, your pastor or elder you know or spiritual mom spiritual dad, somebody who understands that you can just talk to about what you're going through and what you went through and they can help you process it and they can pray with you and and help you recover and it is a road of recovery. I will tell you it's a it's a road of recovery. Um, it has taken me years and years to, uh, get through it. And one tool that really helped me a lot was the grief recovery method. I was able to really evaluate the the relationship and get into the depth of things and see patterns and see, um, different things that happened to me that did affect me as an adult. And I was able to, um, Learn a tool set that helped me to forgive, that helped me to process, to helped me to finally give a voice. Because one thing that you lose as a a product of a narcissistic parent is you lose your voice. You are never really able to say the things you want to say or because they're always the victim. They'll never come into agreement with the truth of how you were raised, the truth of what you went through, the truth of what they've done to you. Um, they'll, they'll never admit it. And so it leaves you because they're, they are, they are brilliant gaslighters. Narcissists are brilliant gaslighters. And so, but what I love about the grief recovery method is that it gave me a voice finally to be able to say the things I'd never been able to say to uncover the things that I had left and kept buried because it just felt easier to leave it buried, but it wasn't easier because it was affecting every aspect of my life. And so if you would like to learn more about the grief recovery method and um, learn more about taking a class where you can learn that tool set as well, uh, go to my website. It'll be in the show notes and book a free 15 minute consultation with me. And I can tell you more about that, but keep going, keep praying for them, keep working on forgiveness, continue to just, um, you know, look up all the scriptures on forgiveness and just start applying them, reading them out loud, meditating on them, um, memorizing them. So when those thoughts come up and those maybe anger or hurt or pain, or they were still in your life, so they're continuing to do things, you can immediately start remembering the scriptures on forgiveness so that you don't have to hold on to it. So I just want to pray with you, Lord, I pray for whoever's going to hear this podcast or watch this on YouTube that you just... um start the healing process that you would, um, put the balm of Gilead, just that healing balm upon their hearts, help them to learn how to set boundaries, help them to forgive, help them to, I ask that you bring people into their lives that can help counsel and disciple them and help, um, you know, help them through it prayerfully and through the scriptures to start really receiving the healing that they need. Uh, boundaries is so hard for children that were raised in narcissistic, uh, abusive homes to um, set boundaries. We we just have such a hard time saying no and and um, using our voice. And um, so I pray, Father, that you help them set boundaries, help them to forgive. Help them to be around godly brothers and sisters that can help them to overcome and heal. And I just pray, Lord, that you um, bless them on this journey and that we know that our faith is truly a crockpot faith. And it takes time and discipline and transformation through your word, by your spirit. We're here for it. And I pray that they're here for it. And together, we will continue to mature and grow in Christ until we meet you face to face. Amen, God bless you guys. Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor if you would, head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review. That would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's Word. Again, don't forget guys, until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's Word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for His good work. Grace and peace I leave with you until next time.